Welcome again to Change Your Mind About You, where we are on a journey together to awaken to our true identity. I'm your host, Kevin Mack, and today we're going to begin a series of episodes on universal living principles. These may simply be described as unalterable truths in life. Why is knowledge of these principles so important? Well, in the previous episode, we spoke about our personal perceptions of the world. We stated that all of our perceptions need to change in order for the world to become a better place. And that is so because all of us, at this time, have limited perceptions of reality. These perceptions vary widely and often conflict due to differences in our education, upbringing, and the effects of our life experiences have had on our minds, particularly at the subconscious level. Indeed, we do not see the world as it is, but as we are. So what are we to do? We need to expand our level of conscious awareness so that our perceptions move more toward a perception based on truth. That is to see the world more clearly as it is. How are we to do that? Well, let's think for a moment. If we don't see the world as it is, and we would like to develop a better understanding of our world, we need to understand the unalterable principles by which the world operates. In today's episode, I'm going to present to you the first of these unalterable principles that point us toward truth. The first and most important one has been spoken of many times, actually, during the recent COVID-19 pandemic. How often have we heard the refrain, We are all in this together? Thus, the first and most important principle is the unity of all existence. No living thing is an island. You cannot separate one living thing from another. All are bound together in a single unified whole. Yet what nearly all of us perceive is a multitude of seemingly disconnected and to a large degree unrelated parts. The fact that the multiverse is in actuality a single unified organism is a condition that's very difficult for us to perceive. To clarify the true nature of just about anything, it is typically necessary for us to take a closer look at one of its components. So let's do that now. For this purpose, let's imagine a single organism, the human body, for example. The human body has some 30 trillion cells. These cells appear in approximately 200 different configurations of varying sizes and shapes. In terms of their condition or well-being, there are normal cells and there are cancer cells. Modern science has found 
within each normal cell a tumor suppression gene. As long as this suppressor gene remains intact, a given cell will function normally, growing and dividing until they meet with other cells of the same kind with whom they stick together, that is, unify. However, in cancer cells, this tumor suppressor gene within the cell becomes damaged. Since the tumor growth suppression is now in inhibited, cancer cells no longer stop reproducing when they meet other cells. Instead, they become invasive and may spread throughout the body like weeds in a garden. Why? Because their internal controls, which normally stop growth at the appropriate time, are damaged. Notice here that the difference between a normal cell and a cancer cell originates internally. And it's this internal difference that causes a difference in outward manifestation. Surprisingly, well, maybe not surprisingly, there is actually a spiritual reason for this. Dr. Paul Brand and Philip Yancey wrote in their book, Fearfully and Wonderfully Made, regarding the behavior of cancer cells, quote, For still mysterious reasons, these cells, and they may be cells from the brain, liver, kidney, bone, blood, skin, or other tissues, grow wild, out of control. Each is a healthy, functioning cell. Now listen carefully, but disloyal, no longer acting in regard for the rest of the body, end quote. In other words, the transformation of normal cells into cancer cells in the human body is ultimately due to selfishness. The cancer cell is being selfish when it attacks the other cells in the body. And we know from experience that once cancer progresses far enough, it eventually leads to death. Cancer is an example of selfish behavior on the part of a cancer cell in the human body. Thus, selfishness is a violation of the living principle of unity and results in suffering and death to the one who is in internally afflicted with the sickness. Recognizing this now, we're ready to upscale our example. Let's go back to the book of Genesis. The first man, if the first man was created by God, as it says in Genesis 2-7, and the first woman was created by God by taking part of the man to form the woman, which it says in verses 21 and 22 of Genesis 2, it means all of us are related to or a part of this first couple. For the two were created to be one, 
as it says in Genesis 2.24. So all of their descendants are a byproduct of that union. Thus, humanity is really a family grown large. One body consisting of many related parts, a unified whole. In our example, humanity is the macrocosm, while the individual human being is a microcosm of the very same entity. So it is the cancer of selfishness that is the fundamental cause of the disunity that, aff that afflicts our planet. What is the antidote? The wisdom traditions of the world universally teach some variation of the commandments to love your neighbor as yourself or do unto others as you would have them do unto you. They teach this because these ideas are not merely suggestions that are simply nice to adopt and practice, but rather they are making statements that apply to the nature of created reality, a universal life principle. Jesus, when asked about the, the greatest commandment in the law, replied in Mark chapter 12 and verses 29 through 31. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. In response to Jesus' words, the man who asked the question replied to Jesus. Well said, teacher, the man replied. Well, you are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. That's from Mark chapter 12, verses 32 and 33. Upon hearing this, Jesus replied, You are not far from the kingdom of heaven. In Mark 12 and verse 34. What Jesus and the man, and this man, agree upon is the fact that, quote, God is one, and there is no other but him. This here is a statement rooted in unity. There is only oneness. If human beings were created in the image and likeness of God, male and female, as it says in Genesis 1, verses 26 and 27, then human beings in their created state are reflections of God as any child is a reflection of their parents. Several years ago, I went to a funeral of a very dear friend. His oldest son gave the eulogy, and, he was, and as he was speaking, I took note of his appearance, his voice, 
in the way he uses it in speaking, in the way he carried himself. I said to his mother, who was seated in front of me, he's the spitting image of his father. For me, it was like I was listening to his dad all over again back in the days when he used to be a lector in church. It's not an accident, my friends, that children become the image of their parents. Rather, it is by design. It is a manifestation of the unalterable unity principle that governs life. The Apostle John applied this principle to the spiritual level when he wrote in 1 John 3 and verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. So ultimately, we are the children of God, created in the image of the Father-Mother. But John goes on to say something else. In verse 2 of 1 John 3, he says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. John is stating here that even though we are now God's children, what we will be has not yet been made known. He is implying here that we have yet to reach full maturity. And like any child during his or her growth process, such growth is uneven. It has its ups and downs. However, when the child fully matures, John tells us in the rest of verse 2, but we know that when it is made known, we shall be like him, meaning Christ, for we shall see him as he is. As a young child, when he matures, comes to resemble his parents, so all of us are destined to resemble God, our original parents. Christ confirms this about himself when he states that I and the Father are one in John 10 and verse 30. And later he reminded his disciples of the same thing just prior to his trial and crucifixion in John 14 verses 9 and 10. He said there, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? Now, this principle here not only applies to fathers and parents and children, it also applies to siblings. About 15 years ago, my brother and his girlfriend were returning from a trip out west. I worked for an airport limo service part-time at the time and asked a driver to volunteer for the trip designated to pick up my brother at the airport. He agreed. Once my brother and his girlfriend arrived at the limo pickup area, the driver was there waiting. Bear in mind now that this driver had never met my brother before. The driver sees him first before my brother spots him. At that point, the driver said to him, 
Hey, Tim, let's go. Surprised, my brother replied to him, How did you know it was me? The driver replied, referring both to my brother and I, You look like him and you walk like him. The point I'm trying to make here is this. If we look like our parents and siblings look like one another, we all look like our parents. There is oneness there. And at the same time, there are also many involved. Furthermore, this unity principle gives us further insight into the greatest commandment that Jesus spoke of earlier, that we read earlier. Here it is again. The most important one, he said, is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. If we examine this scripture carefully, we observe the one from many principle being elucidated here. The Lord your God, the Father Mother, is the parent of all of us. The Lord is one. There is no other. Thus we are commanded not only to completely love God, but also love others as ourselves. Why love? Because God is love, as it says in 1 John 4 and verses 8 and 16. And because there is God and there is no other, in reality there is only love. Since God is love and is also our father and mother, all of us are to reflect this love being a reflection of our parents and therefore also of one another. Yet what else does love do? The Apostle Paul tells us, after summarizing the various virtues humanity is intended to exhibit, he wraps it up all together in a nice, neat package by saying to the Colossians in Colossians 3 and verse 14, And over all these virtues... Put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Perfect unity is the created destiny of humanity, one from many. But we don't see that now, do we? Yet we are evolving in that direction, believe it or not. For love never fails, as it says in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 8. Does this sound too good to be true? I tell you instead, it's too good not to be true. For the deepest yearning in all our hearts is to love and to be loved, isn't it? So how can we speed this process along? By coming to understand the other universal principles that, when applied, will assist us in leading us to our ultimate collective destiny. And we will cover yet another of these principles 
in our next episode. So that is all I have to say for today. Thank you all for listening to Change Your Mind About You. I hope the ideas presented in today's episode will be of benefit to you in your life's journey. Your comments and questions are, of course, always welcome. Please direct all correspondence by email to kevinmack at changeyourmindaboutyou.com. That's kevinmack at changeyourmindaboutyou.com. Thank you once again for listening today. I'm your host, Kevin Mack, wishing you a multitude of blessings wherever you are. Have a great rest of the day, and until next time, take good care, and be well, my friends. <music>